Hey, welcome back, all you race fans, to another edition of the Uncontrolled Tire. I'm your host, Brian Donati, along with Marteo Markeski, and tonight we're talking Martinsville and short track racing. Hey, good evening there, race fans, and welcome to another edition of the Uncontrolled Tire. Tonight we're talking Martinsville and short track racing. We're also going to talk Boiler... Clint Boyer and his winless streak, wow, say that 10 times, going away after 190 races. Was that a good race or a bad race, or is it just okay? Then we're going we're gonna to do some a little bit of a compare, Mateo. We're going to do 2007 Hendrick Motorsports versus the start of the 2018 Stuart Haas team. Then we're going to get into our picks and what we like to call fast lane, where each one of us will ask a question and give the other one another minute to answer. So, Mateo, what do you say we get right into this thing? That sounds great. All right. Well, listen, you know, we had a little bit of a delay. We had some some snow come through Martinsville uh, last weekend. So kind of ended up being a doubleheader, which, you know, looking at the TV and, and watching, I was able to uh, actually stay at home and watch it. I got to work from home that day um, professionally. So it was kind of nice to be able to watch both of those, watch the ending of that truck race, and then watch that Martinsville race. Um, the fans just had to love that doubleheader. So Delay due to snow, good thing, bad thing. I mean, overall, it was uh, at least an interesting situation, I think. I mean, it's been so many years since we've seen it. I mean, 1993 at Atlanta was the last time we saw a delay due to snow. I mean, I think overall, maybe not the best thing financially. You had to, uh, you probably lost some fans uh, at the track, obviously having to work or whatever. But uh, I think it was an interesting concept to have the doubleheader on Monday like that. Yeah, I think that was the right thing to do. I mean, you know, they could have, you know, moved something. They could have run on Sunday. Um, I had some, you know, some people that were down there and said, hey, listen, Sunday it was, you know, later, you know, 40 degrees and sunny later in the afternoon. They could have easily run, you know, run the race and move the truck race to Monday um, but listen, you know, as far as from a security standpoint and, and, and getting your fans back and forth, you know, they, they you know, NASCAR and, and the track, you know, there made a, uh, you know, made the right call and, and pushing everything off until Monday, let, let the parking areas kind of, you know, unfreeze and, and, and make it so that they could, you know, get fans in and out. But, you know, what a terrific race it ended up being all the way across, you know, not only from the truck race. Uh, where John Hunter Nemechek picked up that win there. But to Clint Boyer breaks his 190-race winless streak to win at Martinsville. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a huge win for that uh, organization. Boyer being able to show that he, like Kevin Harvick, can still win and matching the speed of Harvick, it was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, first win since 2012, and I mean, that that goes all the way back to the Michael Walter racing days, um, you know, but just a complete overall well-rounded performance by, you know, Clint Boyer and, and that whole team. You know, I listened to them, you know, on their radio and on their scanner pretty much all afternoon and listened to Brett Griffin, who is the spotter for Clint Boyer. And it was amazing just to listen how calm and cool and collected. I mean, we're talking Martins here, fans. Martinsville here. We're talking beating and banging and rubbing and racing. And, Mateo, I didn't see any of that. Yeah, I mean, 
from Boyer, I don't think we did, but I think uh, there were there was plenty of it back in the pack. I mean, you saw everyone bouncing off each other. There were plenty of hold your breath moments when you thought it was gonna boil over a little bit. I mean, we saw the uh, Hamlin Harvick incident that really uh, did uh, ruffle some feathers for sure. I mean, Harvick called it class, or uh, Hamlin called it classy. Obviously, sarcastically, and uh, think that might escalate possibly over the next weeks and months. Yeah, we'll have to see when we get to like Bristol and Richmond and things like that, and see how that works out. But I mean, you know, the overall race itself. Um, four cautions. I can't remember the last time I've watched a Martinsville race that only had four cautions, and two of those were because of the ending of stages. The first one was the competition caution, and I think they came out in uh, lap fifty. Um, just so they could get everything checked out and, and, and see how, was, how things were going. And then you had uh, the end of the first stage, um, you know, which kind of came through with Ryan Blaney, or not Ryan Blaney, excuse me, Denny Hamlin went in that first stage, you know, um, to get to that caution. Um, and then you had Ryan Blaney winning the second stage to get to that other caution. And then the only other one was Jamie McMurray's spin. So, you know, again, good race or just okay. I mean, I think it was a great race, honestly. I mean, I don't think you need those cautions necessarily to make a good race. I mean, sure, it was a quiet race overall in terms of incidents, but the racing was spectacular in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think the overall, I think you're right. And I, I think that, you know, the, you know the, the fan base is really picking this thing up for, for a, you know, a huge feel-good win for uh, Clint Boyer to come through and then, you know, at the end of the race, at the end of the day, to stand up there, and the only thing he says to the fans standing there in the grandstands were, somebody give me a beer. I mean, that's just fantastic just to, to go through that, through the struggles that him and his teams have gone through, you know, really since 2012, um, you know, with the whole Michael Watcher, you know, racing and spin gate and that sort of thing. And then having to go to work with, you know, Harry Scott and try to get through all of last year with, you know, just that debacle. So huge feel good win for Clint Boyer. But the race, uh, you know, again, we, without Kyle Busch or Martin Truex or Brad Keselowski, I, I have to give it just an okay race. I mean, it's fantastic to see Boyer win, but just overall, from a scale of one to five, I'd have to give it a three because there wasn't really any action. It seemed like everybody was ready to go on vacation early. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say whether we would change opinions based on who won. I mean, if a Kyle Busch or a Truex would have won, would we think of the race the same way? I mean, I certainly think the racing was pretty good. It, there was some decent action just because of the way Martinsville is. It's so tight. You're going to be side-by-side side quite a bit. You're going to be knocking each other out of the way quite a bit. Just classic short track racing. And I'm not really sure what we would think if someone else had would have won. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, we have the same, uh, you know, you don't want to say the same crew, but I like to I like to use the word suspects. We have the same crew or the same suspects finishing in the top ten in each stages with the exception of, you know, Alex Bowman finishing up there in the, you know, in seventh at the end of the race. A.J. Allmendinger running quite well, top ten all day long. Chase Elliott finally gets up there and gets a top ten, um, finishing ninth. Um, you know, again, Logano's still there. Harvick's still there. Truex's still there. Ryan Blaney was consistent all day long, led 145 laps. 
Um, but as far as the as far as the overall race itself, from from start to finish, just okay for me. It just didn't seem like you know. Now again, as I said, if if Kyle Busch or Truex or Keselowski would have won, you know, even though Keselowski was my pick last week when we finally you know when we got to the picks, I, I just think that. Just the overall Clint Boyer winning is what made that race, you know, a top 10 race. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the winner certainly helped. Uh, I think it, I think in, in my book it would have been probably a four regardless. I think Boyer winning just sort of was a little bit of a cherry on top for me. I think the racing was good overall oh, um, at Martinsville, I mean. Yeah, well, fans, stay tuned. We've got another segment coming up here in a couple minutes. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk short track racing. Do we need more of it, or do we leave what we have? You're a gearhead. You have a smartphone. You have at your fingertips the most incredible source of information on everything gearhead, and I bet you don't even know it. Performance Motorsports Network is live 24-7, 365 with the latest information on your favorite forms of racing. From drag racing to roundy round, flat track to road course, asphalt to dirt, two-wheel to four, props to wings, women's motorsports to iRacing, lawnmowers to tractors, and everything in between. Simply go to PerformanceMotorsportsNetwork.com or our Facebook page and grab a stream. Download an app for your smartphone from TuneIn, iTunes, Google Play, Apple TV, or the App Store. Grab an app for your car's infotainment system from TuneIn or AHA Radio. Then listen for free. Yep, I said absolutely, totally, 100% free. Did we mention the best cruising tunes anywhere? Providing the information you need and the soundtrack for your next road trip. PerformanceMotorsportsNetwork.com and PMN2, your source for motorsports. Hey, welcome back race fans to the Uncontrolled Tire with Brandon Adi along with Matteo Marqueski. And tonight we are talking Martinsville. In our first segment, Matteo, we talked about Boyer and Martinsville in the weekend and, and what NASCAR did due to that delay. Now let's talk a little bit more about short track racing. Do we need more of this? Do we need more short track racing? Or do we stick to the schedule as it is? I mean, I think we need more. I think that's what a lot of fans have been saying. It's been the popular sentiment after every short track race, as long as I can remember. Just adding more and more short track races and getting rid of some of the mile and a half, your Kansas and your Texas, like we're going to next week. And I think that's just been the popular sentiment, that and road courses, it seems like. I mean, do we add Iowa? I mean, obviously the, the, the Xfinity teams go to Iowa twice, you know, twice a year. You know, do we, do we bring that in maybe? Um, you know, that's another Richmond track. You know, that's, an, that's a Rusty Wallace-designed track after Richmond that we've got coming up in a couple of weeks. Do we, do we add that or do we go out and find more tracks? you know, for NASCAR to run at. I mean, I think Iowa would be easy to add, considering it's already run by the Xfinity series. But I don't think it really embodies the short track spirit that you get in Bristol and Martinsville and at some of the other local short tracks, at some of the NASCAR home tracks. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. I think the, you know, as far as, you know, maybe adding another track somewhere, I just don't see that happening anytime soon. I think maybe it would be where you could probably add, 
you know, another, you know, another track, maybe Iowa, Iowa has the facilities for, you know, for NASCAR to go across the board, not only for the, you know, for the trucks and the Xfinity, but, but for the cup, I mean, that's, you know, been, you know, kind of building year over year. Um, obviously we need to get away from these one and a half mile cookie cutter tracks. There's almost thir- I think there's 13 of them, you know, that these guys go to, you know, now that they've cut Charlotte only down to one, right? So now we got the new Roval coming up this year in Oct- or at the end of September. Um, you know, that's kind of going to be a little interesting to play, um, cut- cutting that second, you know, mile and a half out. Texas, we go to Texas twice. Um, you know, again, I, we've got to make a little bit better of a balance. We've got to cut out this 13, you know, 1.5-mile tracks. Yeah, and, I mean, they just re- revealed the 2019 schedule, and it's kind of unfortunate to see no changes made there. Uh, I know that the the contracts end in 2020, and so we'll probably see some changes after that. You, after your five-year agreement is up. I believe it's 2020. Yeah, I think the, the, the key for that, though, is going to be is whether or not Monster Energy comes back, if somebody else comes in, you know, next year regarding that. But NASCAR's got to make some a little bit more variance of tracks. I mean, you know, I understand, like I said, or, you know, a couple minutes ago, taking the Charlotte track and only doing it one time, and that's for the Coca-Cola 600 that they do in May. Their end of September, beginning of October race now, they've changed that, and they've gone to the Roval part, which is the road course. Maybe cut out another. Maybe cut out, you know, Kansas. Uh, you know, it's not a big market. Um, you know, they cut Kentucky back from, from twice a year now down to once a year um, over the last couple of years. I think last year was the first year. They only went to Kentucky one time. Um, you know, the Xfinity side goes there twice. Um We've got to find something else. I mean, maybe, you know, somebody opened something up in Irwindale, right? Go back and go Las Vegas and, and run around the bull ring. You know, figure something out. Go back to the old-style short track racing where, you know, you can park these big haulers and these rigs outside of the racetrack and have them come in and make a pit road and that sort of thing. Bring some old-school racing back to NASCAR. Bring it back to the way it was. Oh, yeah, and I think that's been a very popular sentiment. I know there's been plenty of fans calling for at least the trucks to run the bull ring at Vegas, and I think the, there's those logistical things to work out, but I think overall that would be huge for NASCAR to get back to some of the small, short tracks that aren't super, like aren't your Bristol and your Martinsville, because those are the only really very small tracks that they go to on a yearly basis, I think. A couple more, even throw an Eldora. I mean, that seems to be the top dirt track um, to go to at the moment. Yeah, I just, you know, and I think there's been a lot of topic of conversation over the last couple of years about maybe throwing, you know, the Monster Energy Cup cars out on the dirt and see what that happened. I don't even think that I would want to see an Xfinity, you know, car headed out to uh, out, out there on the dirt. I think that would be a little bit dangerous. I don't think that you know, really anything would get done, you know, it wouldn't be a good race. <laughs> so, you know, but if you can throw that size of a track, right, it works for the trucks, it doesn't work for the, you know, for the cup guys. 
Um, although some of them do, you know, like to go out there and run it. It uh, seems to be part of that weekend that some of them are able to get out there and watch and, and hang and see. But, you know, I, somewhere along the way, we've got to come back, or NASCAR really has got to come back. I say we, but, you know, I kind of include all of us, you know, as fans into that. Somewhere along the way, we've got to pick up uh, another track here and there. Um, we've got the same tracks, and I understand contracts and those, you know, those sort of things. But somewhere along the way, there's there's got to be a uh, you know another track somewhere that can get picked up eventually, maybe after 2020. Yeah, and I think if we don't see another track, I think NASCAR will look at the Roval race in October and deem that a success or not a success and maybe in 2020 add a roval or two to the mix another roval or two yeah i mean i wouldn't even mind seeing the uh you know the july daytona race maybe you know moved and 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 run the run the road course there i know there's you know some you know a lot of speculation or a lot of you know kind of looking at that track saying that probably wouldn't work for for those types of cars but listen you you've got imsa that runs that and and they don't seem to have an issue and they kind of weigh just as much um and they're also they're faster you know the 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 transition out of the last turn there up onto the banking and turn one um those cars do it so i'd like to see some additional tracks and again maybe short tracks not you know, really the answer. I know we're talking about short track racing because of Martinsville and we've got a whole host of short tracks coming up. I mean, we've got Texas coming up here next week and then, you know, then they're off to Bristol, then they're at Richmond and then they go back to the super speedway. Um, so it's a, it's, you know, kind of a little bit of variation of tracks, but we've got to, you know, they've got to figure something out and make some changes after 2020. Oh yeah. I think they do need to, uh, shift them some things around i don't know if daytona road course is necessarily the answer but i think the 1.5 mile rovals that they already have built might be yeah i i you're you're probably right there so all right race fans well we're going to take another short break when we come back we're going to do a little comparison we haven't done this before but we're going to do some compares between the 2007 Hendrick Motorsports team and what they did after the first six races compared to 2018 Stuart Haas racing and what they've done after the first six races of this year. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Performance Motorsports Network, we are Equal Opportunity Gearhead Radio. We don't care if you're in a NASCAR, ARCA, World of Outlaws, the Sports Car Club of America, NHRA, motorcycles, boats, airplanes, lawnmowers, or jet-powered bar stools. We are your source for motorsports. From great shows like Heels on Wheels to Motorsports Madness, Burning Rubber Radio to The Stock Car Show, Down and Dirty to Race Time Radio. We have opinionated hosts like Mitch the Dr. Walker and Dan Smith, Tom Baker and Colleen Allen, and we like it that way. So if you're tired of those contrived deadline reality shows all over those cable TV ad channels, step up to real racing. And we play some awesome cruising tunes as well. PerformanceMotorsportsNetwork.com and PMN2, your source for motorsports. Hey, welcome back, race fans, to another edition of the Uncontrolled Tire. In this segment here, we're comparing teams. We're comparing the 2007 Hendrick Motorsports to the 2018 Stuart Haas Racing as the only teams in NASCAR to win four out of the first six races to start the season. Got to tell you, Mateo, 
looking at it from a team perspective, when you can have a team to win four out of the first six races, it is your season is already captivating and well in advance of everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's so difficult to win a race in NASCAR and to have one team uh, of four drivers capture for, for the first six races. That's pretty impressive. Four out of your 37, 36 cars in the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, you're right. I mean, it is very hard to win a race. Now, I, you know, if we go back and we look, and this is probably a little bit before your time, just because I'm a lot older than everybody probably listening even to this even to this podcast. Um, you know, back in 07 and even before that, you didn't have teams of four cars, right? So you may have had a team where you had one, you know, of two cars. I, I think, you know, you had uh, Junior Johnson where he had two at one point in time, and that was kind of, you know, the big team. But to, to have a team come out and win four of the first six races. Now, you know, let's look at some of these numbers and some of these stats. Back in 2007, you know, Rick Hendrick at, at Hendrick Motorsports had Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Kyle Busch, and Casey Mears. Now, you look at the number of wins each one of them had. That's the year that Johnson won 10. Jeff Gordon won six. And Kyle Busch and Casey Mears each won one. That's 18 races in a season by one team. That's 50% of the wins went to one team. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure we'll ever see that again. I mean, maybe with your Gibbs if you count Furniture Row in, but I don't think we'll get, we're going to see that again, even with Stuart Haas. I think, you, yeah, you have Harvick, who's really, really hot right now. He might get maybe seven or eight wins by the end of the season. But I don't see Boyer, Almirola, and uh, now I can't think, Kurt Busch, um, capturing that many wins. I mean, I don't see two drivers stepping out like Johnson and Gordon did either. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, uh, we're talking about the comparing, right? So in 2007, they had 18 wins total. First six races, Stuart Haas has got four. Three, obviously, by Kevin Harvick and, and one by, you know, uh, Clint Boyer, as we talked about at the beginning of the show here in Martinsville. And Clint's been, you know, relatively close week in and week out. He's been finishing in the top 10, been finishing in the top 15. Um, I think one race just had a down, you know, where, where they were out early. But, you know, from an overall perspective, if you look at the tracks coming up, you still got another Daytona. You got two Talladegas. Amarola ran really well at Daytona, and again, we all know that those plate tracks is just enough, you know, keep your nose clean, keep your car out of trouble, and hang around to the end of the race, and, you know, then, you know, you can easily, you know, be around for a win, and he does that, so I think that if you look at it as that could potentially be one win either there for Kurt Busch or even for an Amarola, Kevin Harvick obviously is going to be in there for maybe at least two more Boyer may get another one. I mean, you know, who knows? Are they going to win 18? You're right. I don't think that's ever going to be duplicated from a team perspective or just from an, from an overall where one team wins 50% of the races. But, you know, again, what a way to start out the year in 2007, uh, 2018. Wow, I almost said 2017. 2018. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think – I don't think there's any way that – they can match those 18 wins, but I think they can get up to like 10 or 12 if they continue what they've been doing. 
Yeah, and I can't remember, and I'm, I'm trying to find this here now, fans, as I look back and see what what's the most wins by a team overall in a season. And I would assume that would have to be Gibbs, um, you know, the last team that would compile close to a double-digit wins, um, you know, in a season. But, again, the, the, the start that Stuart Haas has and, and the chances now they have coming up, again, Harvick runs great at Dover, so let's let's count them down. That's two more wins, potential two more wins at Dover. Uh, you know, if Boyer's short track program there at Stewart Haas is any indication of, you know, what they did this past week and what they did last October. So, you know, he finished third in October of last year. You know, he got to go back to Martinsville one more time in October. That could be another win. Um, may get lucky and fall into something else. So, you know, could that team push double double digits? Yes, but as far as a comparison goes, you're not going to get past 18 wins. I just don't think so this year. Yeah, and you got to think about who is going to show up in their competition. I mean, we haven't seen Hendrick show up hardly at all this year. They could show up, capture a win, a couple wins with Johnson or maybe even Bowman or Elliott. I mean, Elliott's been the best car from that organization. Um, so you, you're going to have them coming up, maybe taking a win or two away from a Stuart Haas driver. And then, uh, and then obviously, Gibbs is going to be their main competition, as they have been the top dog for the past few years. Yeah, and then you got to throw in Penske there. I mean, I, I think that you're going to see Brad Kozlowski or maybe even Joey Logano sneak back in and maybe get one, maybe two completely. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at a comparison, you know, from over the years, yeah, I mean, back in the air. And, again, different cars, right? So different era with those. That team seemed to be on top of it um, coming up. You know, Gibbs back then had, you know, Tony Stewart, Denny Hamlin, um and, and while my, my brain is escaping me, they had one other car at that point in time. Um, but, a, again, it, it, just the comparisons, 50% to, you know, right now we're on a 75%, you know, run rate in order for them to, to win going forward. I, I just I don't see that. Oh, yeah, I don't think that they're going to match their pace. But uh, in looking at 2007, the Gibbs cars, that was uh, – Hamlin, Stewart, and Yaley in the 18 car. They captured four wins that season. Yes, good old J.J. Yaley. I don't think he's ever finished higher than 20th in that team when he was there. But anyway, that's another topic we'll have on another show. But, you know, again, I, I think you're, you're right. I mean, you know, wow. Just can they get to double digits in 2018? I think so. I think they can. I think if we're, you know, looking at overall, I, I you know, from a team perspective, you know, again, I think that uh, the Fords, as we've talked about in earlier shows and other episodes that we've done, Ford itself is just seemed to being the Toyota of last year. Now, I understand, you know, Toyota was more Martin Truex, but you had Kyle Busch in there. Um you know, from that Toyota perspective and that, you know, Toyota team, um, I, I just, I, I, my guess is to say, yeah, they're going to get to double digits. Yeah, I think they'll get to double digits. I mean, I think it's going to be, it might not even be difficult not to at this point. I mean, if Harvick runs anywhere close to what he's run and Al Morrill ends up with a win, I mean, you can probably expect Kurt Busch to end up with at least one. And I think it, there's a good likelihood that they get to at least 10 wins. Yeah. 
Well, fans, we're going to take another little short break. When we come back, we're going to do our last segment here. We're going to have our picks, and we're going to talk about fast lane. Remember, that's that's the fast lane where each one of us will ask a question to one another, and the other one will have a couple seconds or a couple minutes to discuss, and we throw out some other topics in there maybe that we talk about on a later show. So we'll be right back after this short message. In today's world, everything has a catch. Free shipping within a limited area. Free delivery, except if you live more than two blocks from the pizza place. No luggage fees. Oh, you didn't read the fine print? That's only one way. No deposit required, except in your state. Well, here at Performance Motorsports Network, everything is free and there's no disclaimer. It's simply the best in gearhead and racing program anywhere. From off-road to boats, from NASCAR to tractor pulling, from road course to short track roundy round, from motorcycle flat track to Formula One, from Jeeps and trucks to lawnmowers. Here at Performance Motorsports Network, we feature a mix of programming designed with the gearhead in mind. And there's no small print. Male, female, no matter if you're a two-wheel enthusiast, off-roader, or if you like all four wheels on the ground. Hell, we even cover jet-powered barstool racing. Plus an incredible playlist of cruising tunes to provide the soundtrack for your next road trip. Check us out, PerformanceMotorsportsNetwork.com and PMN2, your source for motorsports. Hey, welcome back, race fans, to the other, another episode of The Uncontrolled Tire. I'm Brian Donati along with Matteo Marcheschi, and right now we're in segment four. And Matteo, we're going to talk about our picks that we had from Martinsville. We each did quite well looking at the notes, but we didn't do well enough. Yeah, uh, we both collected a decent amount of points between your stage points and your finishing position. I think both of us did pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I you know, you look at that. I, I you know, I had Brad, and you know, was was my pick, and he did quite well as as what I said he would do. I mean, again, you know, we talked about you know on a, on an episode before that when we made we made the picks that you know Brad was you know up there for the win there in October, so I knew he quite well on the short track program, but yeah. Finishing second after the stage, uh, stage one, and then finishing fourth in stage two really kind of helped me. I mean, that gave me, you know, like I said, 43 points. And then, you know, your pick, Joey Logano, finished in the same position uh, pretty much all all day in the ninth position. Just couldn't, just couldn't propel up into that top five there. Yeah, I think, I mean, you got, you were hugely benefited by the stage points, which pushed, pushed you in front of me. Uh, despite finishing 10th versus Logano's 6th, but he uh, still got me some good points. Not, yes. not mad about it. Yeah, and I think what we're going to do, and those fans that are just starting to listen to this, I know we're on episode 4, I believe, that we're doing here. Um, what we've decided we're going to do with these picks is we're going to pick a driver. You can only pick that driver once during the course of the year. So we all know that there's usually 38 sometimes 39 that's on a good weekend that that's all the drivers there are so you've got to kind of use a little bit of strategy you don't want to use all your top guns right up here in the front of the season and then not have anything to where you're picking a you know uh, you know a, a Landon Castle or a Gray Golding at the end of the year or a Harrison Rhodes um, so we've got to use what we've got you know, through the course of the year. So right now, since the first three episodes that we did, we kind of weren't keeping track of points. We weren't really looking at it. What we're going to do is we're going to start from week four here. We're going to go forward right now. And the reason I say this, Mateo, is because I've got a little bit of a lead on you. That's the reason why we're doing it. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you know, I've got the I've got the eight point lead here after after week one of ours. So we're going to keep track of that, and as we go through all these episodes through the course of the year, and as we move on, we're going to see who's got the most wins. And we've got some tough tracks coming up, but I think that we're going to have some pretty decent picks coming up because there are certain individuals that seem to, and it doesn't matter which team they're with because a lot of them have changed teams. Um, they run quite well at, say, Bristol, Richmond, you know, Texas. Uh, you know, then we're at Talladega where that's anybody's game. Yeah, I mean, I think the it'll be a little bit of a toss-up at a couple of the tracks coming up, and I think you're going to get to the road courses too, and that's going to bring up different uh, different drivers. Yeah, you know, again, I think you're you're right. I mean, you've got some some pretty good you know drivers there on the road course, but I think you're going to see a little bit of, and I'm not going to tip my hand, but I know that there's one driver out here that has done a lot of practicing and a lot of testing on some road course stuff in other forms of racing that I am going to hold on to until we get to either Sonoma or we get to Watkins Glen or we get to the Roval. I have no idea who you're talking about. Uh (laughs) See? A little inside information. So anyway, as we start, so now let's, let's move on to Texas. So now we're at a different week. You know, we've taken the Easter break. Now we're getting back into it. We're at the mile and a half track, which I said we need to get rid of earlier in the show. Let's make our picks for this week in Texas. All right. I'll let uh, you go first. Yeah. So my pick is not one that's really showed up um, in years past, and that's for good reason. Um, It's Paul Menard. He's uh, in that Wood Brothers car for the first time. Uh, for the first time in his uh, in his career at Texas to be in that car. Um, and I think he'll join those other Penske guys as an ally um, to the Penske organization that Wood Brothers car is. Uh, and I think he'll run pretty well. Yeah, Paul Menard's run really well and run consistent all year long. You know, obviously been in the top 15 with that Wood Brothers Ford Um you know, to run, you know, again, only a handful of races. They've only had six at the beginning of the year, and it's brand new um, team for him. Um, but that team is so stout. That's actually a very good pick to, you know, coming off that break, giving them that extra week, um, you know, that they needed to, to kind of get in, get things settled, reevaluate where, reevaluate where they are and, and uh, things like that. I'm actually going to go out, and I am going to actually take a pick, and I am actually going to go with Jamie McMurray this week. Um, I know that I may use up a little bit of a, you know, a sleeper there, but I don't think Jamie's really a sleeper. He's obviously a top 15 driver, um, but that team has struggled a little bit uh, this year, and you know, obviously, they definitely struggled at the short track in Martinsville, but. I'm going Jamie McMurray. I think having that week break lets that team settle down. You know, being that he's in a Chevrolet and those teams have struggled this year, um, I think that giving that break, now they're going to be able to come back. So I'm going with Jamie McMurray this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, as good a pick as any. I mean, I'll end up with McMurray at some point this year, I'm sure. But uh, I don't know. It's it, That's a pick that makes me hesitate because he has not been 
all that stellar this year. I mean, uh, he's I, he's 26th in points, which is the most stunning stat, I think, being the teammate to Kyle Larson, who's been the best Chevy, arguably, on track this year. But I think he'll, uh, he could show up. He's liable to show up anywhere at any time, it seems like. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Well, folks, this is what the segment we like to call Fast Lane, where we each take a question and we ask the other one and we try to get some feedback. And as we move along in these shows, maybe we'll bring you guys in and have you guys do some some fan questions or some, you know, partake in our Fast Lane. So, Mateo, my Fast Lane question for you is, it's kind of a relatively new thing, and they're talking about adding more Wi-Fi and more ability to track customers at the racetrack, to see where they're at, to see what they're doing. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, or does that do you think that's going to help the fan experience from an overall standpoint? I mean, I think it's going to give NASCAR and the tracks information, and I think that's going to then, as a result, help the fan experience. But it is a little bit, you know almost dystopian in a way with technology to have that tracking you where you're going or whatever. I don't know how uh, like how accurate it's going to be. I don't know how much that's going to actually track people, whether it's just going to be, hey, you're staying at this hotel or you go to the concessions twice a race or whatever. But it does, you know walk that line a little bit yeah i'm interested to see what they're actually going to look at and track and and i i agree with you i think from a fan experience point they're looking to find out you know how much time you're spending in the you know in the concessions how much time are you spending you know at the race haulers looking for you know uh, you, you know merchandise and things like that You know, is it going to make the product better on the racetrack? No. But is it going to make the fans experience, and that's really what it's about, because we need to be able to increase, you know, the fans at the racetrack, um, you know, for that. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll definitely uh, give NASCAR information that they need to improve the fan experience. Yep. Um, So my question for you uh, pertains to... Clint Boyer and his uh, winless streak that he broke at Martinsville last week. Um, And it's of the six drivers with 100 race-plus winless streaks, which do you expect to return to victory lane first? That's Menard, Reagan, Bain, McMurray, Allmendinger, and Almirola. Wow, that's a heck of a list. That's a heck of a list that I don't think any of them will win this year. <laughs> so we may have to look for 2019. No, I think that if we had to really sit and look at a, at a team that probably, you know, of these drivers, um, you know, that could win somewhere either along this year or maybe even next year, um, you know, I, I would have to go with, uh, wow, it's kind of a toss-up. I'm here between uh, Jimmy McMurray and A.J. Allmendinger. If – if A.J. Allmendinger and, Ta- and Tad uh, Geschechter, and I probably said that wrong, can can do well at either Sonoma or Watkins Glen, they have a really good shot of winning this year. Jamie McMurray can win, I think, pretty much at any racetracks um, that they go to um, 
being as a as a team member and as a partner, you know, to Kyle Larson, I think that he brings a little bit more to Jamie McMurray. Um, but if I had to pick one of those six, I would say probably McMurray would win before any of them. All right, all right. And I see that the second part, you you actually yeah. have two questions yeah, in Fastlane yeah, this week, and you said yeah. of the six, which do you expect to retire before they win? Obviously, I would have to go with Reagan. <laughs> I just don't think David Reagan is in the equipment to to win, uh, you know, right now in in the you know in in NASCAR and Cup Series, and and uh, I, I think he would be the one that would probably, you know, retire before any of them. Trevor Bain's still young. Paul Menard's still young. I mean, David Reagan's still pretty young too. McMurray would probably retire. But I, I, you know, I just picked him to. He's probably going to win either this year or next year. So, um, I, I would have to go with David Reagan on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a pretty obvious pick. I just figured, throw it out there. Yep. No, I agree with you. So, all right, race fans. Well, listen. This concludes another episode of the Uncontrolled Tire. Stay tuned with us. We've got a lot more shows coming up during this year. So we'll uh, look to see you back here and look to hear you back here in the next couple in next week as we talk Texas.